0: On October 24th, 1971, D.B. Cooper, Dan Cooper, hijacked a Boeing 727 between Portland and Seattle, and he demanded $200,000 and a parachute. Does anybody remember that story? After the flight landed in Seattle, D.B. Cooper released the 36 passengers when authorities provided the money and the parachutes. So he forced the pilot and the flight attendants to remain on the plane, they refueled the plane, they took off to fly to Mexico City. He jumped out, never to be seen again. D.B. Cooper, he hijacked the plane, he got money, and he seemingly got away with it, never to be seen again. And so the, they, they quit investigating it, but he, he hijacked the plane. And my theme this morning is worship, reforming worship. And I am convinced that just as D.B. Cooper hijacked a plane in 1971, I'm convinced that worship has been hijacked in our culture today. And I want to talk about worship. We're going to look at what worship is and what it has become, where we've gone astray and how we can correct it. So what I'm going to see, we're going to look at this morning in the minutes that I have. I'm confused about the timer there. It says, it said five something. I only had five minutes left? We're in trouble. So let's see, it is 11.07. I'm going to do my best to be done at 11.30. Five. Five. So we're going to look at three assessments of what has happened to worship in the church and three sections from God's Word that will help us to reclaim the fullness of what worship is. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the 30,000-foot perspective about worship. Then then after that, we're going to walk through the doors of the church, and we're going to look at what worship has become. And then we'll conclude with looking at the songs that we sing. So 30,000-foot perspective. Then we're going to walk through the doors of the church and evaluate worship. Then we're going to talk about the actual songs that we sing. So here's the 30,000-foot perspective about worship. Firstly, worship has been reduced to three songs in 20 minutes. Worship has been reduced to three songs in 20 minutes. And what I don't mean by that is is that we're singing less songs. What I mean is, is that worship has been reduced to just the singing part of the church service. You could sing three songs, four songs, five songs and sing it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes or 50 minutes. But worship has been reduced to only singing and music. And when you ask most people about church, how was how worship today? They're thinking about not about the service or the preaching or, or the communion or the sacraments, or the interaction with brothers and, sisters and, and it, 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 with, with brothers and sisters in Christ, they're thinking that you're asking about the music time. How was the worship? How did the band do? How, did the, how, how, how was the music? How did I feel? Or, or you'll even hear people say, worship was good today. Worship was good today. So this view of worship falls terribly short in understanding what worship really is. And here's my contention and my thought about worship. worship. Worship is far more than the songs that, that, that we sing. It's far more than the Sunday morning songs we sing for 30 or 40 minutes. And Scripture really shows us what worship is. If you look at Romans chapter 12, we all know this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what the Apostle Paul does in Romans 12 is... Before he gets to Romans 12, he's building and making his case about, about how we should give all of our life to God in spiritual worship. And how, and how does he do it? Well, in, in the first 11 chapters, the first cha- chapters 1 through 3 culminates in, in Romans 3. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Chapters four through six end by saying, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so you get Romans chapter three, Romans chapter six, and you get to Romans chapter ten. And what do we see in Romans ten? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Romans 3, Romans 6, Romans 10, here's the problem of sin, and here's the penalty for sin, and here's the answer for the penalty of sin, which is salvation through Christ, faith in Christ. And then you get to Romans 12, what we just read. The Apostle Paul is saying here in Romans 12 that when we think about the mercies of God, in view of the mercies of God, that we should respond in what? In worship. So is he saying that when we think of the mercies of God that we should all start singing? I don't think that's the point of what he's saying here. He's saying that when we think of the mercies of God, we should give our whole bodies, present your body as a living sacrifice. Our spiritual worship is our entire life presented to the Lord. Listen, there is no separation, and should be no separation between the sacred and the non-sacred parts of our life. Sometimes people might think like this, I give this part of my life to God. Sunday is the time for holy things. But the truth is, is that our entire life is holy and should be lived as holy unto the Lord. We see this all over Scripture. Philippians chapter 1, Paul says this. He says, as, uh, verse 20, as, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always Christ will be honored in my... Body, in my body, in my life, whether by life or by death, Christ will be honored. The way we live, the way we die, all of our life should be worshiped to God. It's not just three songs, four songs, five songs, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 50 minutes. This is not what worship is. Only our entire life should be worshiped. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says again, verse 20, "...for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body." So, the same flow of Romans 12, because of this reality, live like this. Because of what Christ has done, here's how you should live. Your life is worship. We owe God all of our life, don't we? All of our life in worship, we owe to God. Uh, how many of you read the book, The Count of Monte Cristo? How many of you have seen the movie, The Count of Monte Cristo? <laughs> I've seen the movie, I've not read the book, but I've seen the movie. Do you remember the scene? On the beach, when Edmund Dantes is washed ashore after he escaped from prison. And these band of thieves, pirates, are over there. And so the captain of the ship is losing control of his men, and so he was trying to figure out a way to get them back. So he's gonna give them a little sport. And so he basically he tells them that, you know, he tells this one sailor, he says, you know, you gotta. Fight to the death. Fight Edmund Dantes to the, to, to the death, or you're going to die. And so uh, the guy's name is Jacopo. And so he has to fight Edmund Dantes to the death. If you, re- re- if you remember the scene, Edmund Dantes could have killed Jacopo. He overpowered him and had him in the sand. and The knife was above his head, and Edmund Dantes throws the knife into the sand and looks to the captain and gives the reason why. He doesn't need to kill him, and he can, he, can, he can take him upon as another sailor, and he can have a, a good hand. And, and so Jacopo grabs Edmund Dantes, and, and this is what he says. He says, I swear on my dead relatives, and even the ones who are not feeling well, I am your man forever. <laughs> that is a life of Worship. My life belongs to you. have saved my life. My life is yours. That is what it means to worship God with our life. I am your man forever. My life is not my own. It looks like every area of our life being worshiped to the Lord. In my marriage, in my relationship with my children, spending quality time with my children, that's worship. In my singleness, worshiping God in purity. In my singleness, on the job, with the way we work, our work ethic. Is worship having a good work ethic in school, making good grades, working hard unto the Lord? That's worship during competition. Do you worship God during competition? I'm very competitive. Sometimes I do not worship the Lord in my competition with my finances. Am I worshiping God with my finances? What I watch, what I listen to, the way I think, the way I talk, how I treat people, choosing to trust God instead of fear. Faith and perseverance through trial. These are all worship unto God. Our whole life is worship. So think about that. That's a 30,000 foot perspective. An entire life lived for the worship and glory of God. It is much more impactful than relegating our worship to our Sunday morning songs. So that's a 30,000 foot view. Worship is much more than our songs. Worship is our entire life lived for the glory of God. Do you believe that? You guys knew you guys know this. Now let's go into the church. You guys ready to go to, are you ready to go to church with me? Let's go into the sanctuary. Let's open the doors to the church and talk about worship. Again, this is reforming worship. So when you reform something, you gotta reprove and you gotta rebuke and you gotta, you gotta exhort with complete patience. But let's talk about what happens in our church, with in our churches with worship. So here's a second assessment. Worship has turned into something we experience instead of what we offer. So worship is reduced in some people's minds to just songs and they don't think about their life. But worship, when we walk into the buildings of our Sunday morning services or whenever we gather as Christians, worship has been turned into something we experience instead of what we offer. Listen to this quote. In the American evangelical church, worship has taken on a subculture of sorts. I've often heard Christians make statements about a certain church or service like, worship wasn't that great this morning, or the sermon was okay, but the worship was so good. Statements like these always make me wonder who is actually being worshipped, God or the church attendees. The idea behind this is if the energy of the music doesn't produce some sort of an emotional response, There is something wrong with the music or the band or the worship leader. Therefore, the worship is is bad. So worship has turned for many people into something we experience instead of what we offer. And I want to tell you, that is foreign to the Bible. Worship has always been about what we offer, not what we experience. Worship's always been about what we bring and not what we feel. Hebrews chapter 13 says this Through him, let us then continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, acknowledging his name. So the writer of Hebrews is addressing Jewish believers and Jewish believers who would have had a clear understanding of the Old Testament sacrificial system. And so the worship of God as he established for his people was always about bringing. Offering, sacrificing, surrendering, presenting to God an offering of worship. It was not about individualistic experiences during times of singing. It was about bringing an offering. You remember the first offering of sacrifice that was brought in Scripture? Who brought it? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel brought a sacrifice. Look at Genesis chapter 4. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. Right? So from the very beginning, worship was about offering, presenting, giving. Not receiving and experiencing. You know, there are five different types of offerings uh, prescribed by God for His people. You have the burnt offerings. The sacrifice of bulls and sheep and and doves. You have the grain offering. Grains were used to bake unleavened bread. You have the peace offering. Provisions made to facilitate a meal of reconciliation between people. The sin offering. Offerings that dealt with atonement for sin. The the guilt offering. Offerings that dealt with restitution for, for wrongs done worship of God was established to be about offering something to the Lord, bringing what He required. But what has happened to this posture of worship? Here's what's happened when we gather as a people of God in the house of God. What are we humbly bringing to Him in worship? Here's what's happened. If you look at the broader evangelical church in America, specifically, this has been lost. It has been hijacked by a different approach altogether people don't come to offer something or give something, the posture is consumerism. If somebody, if you ask somebody how was worship and they say it was bad or they say it was good, then you know that they didn't worship. I mean, just think about that. If somebody, if you ask somebody how was worship today and they tell you that it was was either bad or good, you know that they did not worship. They evaluated what took place. That's what happened. They evaluated it. They were looking at the bass player today, and they were thinking, "Man, he was a little off. He was a little off key today." That was my son who played bass this morning, right? <laughs> you, 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 I don't know if he was off key or on key, cause I can't follow keys. But right, you guys tracked with that. You know that that's what they say. They weren't worshiping. They were consuming. They were consuming something. People do not come to offer, they come to consume. And, and even people will change the name of their services to reflect that. How many of you heard the titles of services now, the advertisements? Come to our 9 a.m. worship experience. We're encouraging people to just come and experience something instead of coming and giving something. Coming and offering something. We need a reformation with worship. Listen, and you have all of the major worship labels that are out there. And you can think of their names. Bethel and Hillsong and, and Elevation and, and these movements that are out there. And we will sing their songs. But if you, if you watch what they do and you watch the, the emphasis that they give with the music, it is not about coming and offering. It is, is about coming and experiencing a first-class worship experience. Listen, I'm not about... Bad singing and bad musicianship. I, I, I believe we should give excellence and quality to, to, to what we do. But if you look at the, the basics of what these worship movements do, it's about the individualistic ex- experience that the person has in a service to get alone with God. It's me and God, and it is my experience versus what we come to offer and to bring. It's consumerism. Church worship services have turned into an hour-long consumer-driven experiences. Worship and experience are words from a biblical perspective that I don't think go together. Worship is what we give. Experience is what we feel. If what we do on Sunday is meant to be an experience, then man becomes the center and not Listen, I we listen, we experience things when we come into service. We absolutely do. This is an experience that you're either going to like or dislike. And so I get it, right? This is an experience. We experience things, but when we come into the house of God with the people of God, it's not about experience. It's about offering God our life and our songs and our worship and our finances and our love and our fellowship and our attention it is about worshiping by giving not by experiencing and if you come into a worship service and you don't feel anything and you don't have what the Cajuns call free songs or what other people call goosebumps it doesn't matter You're not there to have goosebumps. You're there to worship a God who is holy and is worthy that you would come and offer all that you are, all that we are to Him. We are so conditioned in our church experiences that that if we don't feel something, then we didn't really have a time of worship or it wasn't impactful. What I want to hear, what I want to sing, the style I like, the length of service I like, the convenience to my schedule, none of those things matter. we are come to offer things on God's terms the way He has prescribed. You know, if you have a business, and you're selling a product, let's say you have a, a burger joint and you're selling burgers, you need to care about people's experience. And you need to read the Yelp reviews or the Google reviews because it matters because if the product you're putting out people aren't liking the experience, they're going to quit buying your burgers and you're going to go out of business. But that's not the church model. We're here to please the Lord. We're here to worship him as he is prescribed. And so whether or not people like the music or the preaching or the, or the experience, what matters most is not what the Yelp reviews are or the Google reviews are. What matters most is, is are we obeying God and his word? Are we, are, are we leading people to further submission to Christ and sanctification in their life? Or, or are we leading people to, to just experience something in God's presence? Because we believe that that is, that is what is most important. I, I even had a pastor one time tell me this. I was talking to him around this subject, and he was saying, Have you read the Google reviews on your church? I said, no, I've never really done it. They said, well, look up your church. I looked up Living Word Church, and, and sure enough, there's all these reviews of things that people said. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to stop reading these. <laughs> this, this is, some of them were good, some of them are like, I'm not sure about this. So like, I, I can get caught in that trap. Like, well, I, I, This is what people are saying or thinking, and so I've got to change, I've got to adjust to the survey. Listen, our job is not to get out of surveys so we can cater what people want. We already have a survey. Of what God wants. It's about what God wants, not about what people want. And here's the survey. What does God's word say that we are to do? How are we to lead God's people? This is a completely different paradigm. Worship, the worship of God is not a business. If we're not careful, we can be lulled to sleep by this pragmatic, consumeristic view of church. And then, worshiping on Sunday morning with fellow believers moves from something we offer to the Lord to something we consume for our own pleasure. Listen, this is the scary part. I'm going to transition here in just a moment, but this is the sobering part. I believe that just as the Lord had no regard for Cain's offering, that it is possible for us to completely turn the worship of God upside down, and that it is no longer the worship of God, but rather the worship of self, and that God will have no regard for that kind of worship, that false worship. How fearful to think that God is with us because we are creating emotional experiences, but he's not actually there. Listen, I don't, what's, what's the chord that you get on, that, that minor chord? Who plays piano here? Because so You get on that minor chord, that deep chord, that heart chord, you start playing on that chord, you get a preacher up here that starts preaching really good, you're going to feel something but how fearful it is to have the minor chord but not have the Spirit of God. Because what we're offering Him is not what is pleasing to Him. Because we are at the center of it and not Him. So how does this apply to our lives? It's pretty simple. Pastor Al said, I think, lines up here, humbly repent. Repent. If we have replaced the worship of God with the worship of self... Stop. Stop. Repent. Say, God, forgive me if I... And look, think about it personally. Think about it personally in your life. You're going to be in church on Sunday. Think about your posture when you walk into the door. Am I here just to observe and watch what they're going to do on the stage? Or am I here to bring an offering of worship to the Lord with my life? No matter how it sounds, I hate that song. Would they quit singing that song? It doesn't matter. Keep singing the song. Because it's not about the songs we like and the style we like, whether it's a modern song or an ancient hymn. It's about Christ and what you can bring Him through the lifting up of your voice, through your mutual fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, through your being attentive to the Word. Do you know that, that you worship when you're sitting there listening to God's Word being preached? You worship by how you listen, by how you engage. So, how so? so Repent. That's how we respond. We repent if we've turned worship into self-centered idolatry. Repent and return. So we've looked at the thirty thousand foot perspective about worship. Worship is much more than our songs. Our entire life is meant to be worship. We've walked through the doors of the church and hopefully haven't offended you too much. Are we worshiping God or ourself when we gather? Lastly this morning, let's look at the songs we sing when we gather. So now let's talk about the songs. You guys ready to talk about the songs? Let's talk about the songs. Here's what I think has happened to the songs we sing. Worship has been separated from its biblical foundation. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse, starting verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Did you notice in this text from the Apostle Paul in Colossians, notice how the singing flows from, the, from God's word and it works out into our life and into our singing. Let the Word of Christ, let the Word of God dwell richly in you. Let it dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. So, so the Word of God should dwell in us through teaching and admonishing as we heard earlier, as we teach the Word, as we preach the Word, as we exhort the Word, as we press the Word of God and the implications of the Word into the hearts of God's people. What should flow out of that? It should flow out singing and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with our through in our heart with thankfulness to the Lord. So there is a direct correlation to God's Word dwelling richly in our hearts and the songs that we sing. God's Word dwelling richly in our hearts and the songs that we sing. The songs that we sing, and here's the connection to to the songs. The songs that we sing should reinforce the knowledge of God's Word in us. The songs we sing should admonish with and teach the truths of God's Word. The songs we sing should reinforce the doctrines that we've just been taught about and heard and preached about. The songs should reinforce God's Word. So worship through singing is directly connected with our understanding of God's Word. I've heard it said deep understanding produces deep worship. Shallow understanding of God's Word produces shallow worship. You can't worship in truth a God that you don't know. You can't worship in truth a God that you don't know. There was a preacher who preached a long sermon one Sunday morning, expounding on God's word. A church member, after the service, came up to him and said, Preacher, Pastor, how can people worship God in church if you spend all the time preaching the Bible? The preacher patiently Responded, how can people worship God at all if I don't preach the Bible? You remember Jesus at John, in John chapter 4, at the woman at the well, what did he tell her? He says, You worship who you do not know. She's the one to talk about worship. Well, we worship in this mountain. You say worship is supposed to be over here in Jerusalem, but who's right? He says, Woman, you worship who you do not know. So here's how the songs are impacted. We read God's word, we teach God's word, and we sing God's word. We read God's word, we teach in God's word, we preach God's word, and we sing God's word. We sing praises to God based upon how he has revealed himself to us through his word and through what he has done in our life teaching and admonishing one another. This is what singing and worship is. We are singing, and through our singing and worship, it is teaching and it is admonishing. It is building up. The songs we sing as we gather are sung to God, but they are sung, listen, for the mutual encouragement of the body of Christ. So it's not just this individualistic experience of me singing to God. No, when I, when we sing songs that reinforce the teaching of God's word, the word of God, and we sing it together with, with unified voices, it is for the mutual building up of the body of Christ. Listen, I, I love music. I'm, I'm a drummer, so I like drums. I like loud things. But I, I'm convinced that we, 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 may, we may play our music a little too loud in church because I, I can't hear you. Now, listen, I'm not saying you can't play your music loud, but I'm convinced we need to hear each other more yes. often. We need to hear each other more often. Why? I think about that often when I'm, when I'm at Living Word Church and I'm preaching to God's people. I think I, I look out and I see this, this woman over here who, who has been battling cancer. Her name is Brandy, Ver, Brandy Verdan. Brandy Verdan has been battling cancer for over two years, she was athletic and fit and she's continued to lose weight and we are believing and praying for her healing. But She's been battling cancer and I watch her when I'm out there and she's lifting her hands and she's worshiping God and, and hearing people that I see are struggling, this person struggling, this person fighting a battle and, and when they're lifting up their voices and we're singing in unison, it is a mutual building up and encouragement to the body of Christ versus, hey, let's go to the door. Let's have our individual experience. I need my goosebumps. I need to feel something versus no. This mutual experience of worshiping God, our exalted Savior. I'll never forget one time I was at a funeral. We we all preach many funerals. And this brother had lost his daughter um, in a tragic car accident. She was 21 years old. And I had to get up to speak at the funeral. And I'm watching in the front row. The, the, the family wanted to have a time of, of singing. And I'm watching this dad just lost his daughter three or four days ago. Both arms are in the air worshiping God. And I just thought about my life and what, I have not, what I'm not walking through. And I've thought about all the times that I did not want to bring an offering of worship to God through singing I thought, look at this brother. Look at at what he's doing. And and the encouragement and the strength that God used in my heart through his life. still, That was five or six years ago when that happened. It still touches my heart to think about it. It Reminds me of Acts chapter 16. Do you remember Paul and Silas? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And their prisoners were listening to them. Prisoners were listening to them. So the truth of God's Word put to song is a powerful instrument of encouragement for the body of Christ. I'm reminded through song of what I know about God from His Word. I'm encouraged by singing together with brothers and sisters in Christ who are walking through various trials, but yet are singing to God with hearts of faith. We sing because God is faithful. We sing because God is good. We sing because we want to encourage each other in the faith. Church is not an individualistic thing. Church is a corporate thing. Can I, can I do one more thing? i got a minute and 13 seconds. Yes, I just want to poke one more time. Look, I'm, I may not get invited back. So, look, if you get some bad reviews on Yelp from this message. But just, I'm going to poke one more time. There is a false belief. It's in my notes. I mean, so, there's a false belief that the Holy Spirit only moves when we sing passionately enough. Remember last night I talked about carrot dangling theology? We, we, we let carrot dangling theology come into the service on Sundays. We, we think that, we're, that the Holy Spirit's really going to move if we get loud enough and we sing passionately enough. I mean, listen, I, I've sat through all the services. The, the hour and a half long worship, singing, the two hour singing. The preacher says, well, we're just not going to preach today. I think that's just an unprepared preacher wanting the worship leader to bail him out. Right, so we're gonna do so We're gonna sing. We're gonna sing. We're gonna sing, and then we're gonna go into spiritual warfare. We're gonna bang on the drums until we get something to happen. We're waiting on the Holy Spirit to move, and if we do enough, then He's gonna move. Listen, we're not singing to convince the Holy Spirit to move. He is already moving in the midst of a people who are unified with one heart in love and worship of God. He's already here. He's here when you showed up. He's here when you walked out the door. He lives in you. He is with you. The Holy Spirit is already at work in in the midst of a people who have not gathered for themselves. Who have not gathered just to experience something. But they've gathered to bring an offering of worship before the Lord. In spite of the trials, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the challenges to their faith, they've gathered to worship their God, to encourage their brothers and sisters in Christ. The Holy Spirit is there in our midst. Whether we sing loud, whether we sing off key, whether the drummer goes off time, whether the worship leader forgets the lyrics, he's with us. Amen? So D.B. Cooper hijacked an airplane in 1971. In 2024, let's take back the heart of the true worship that God desires, amen? Amen.